0: I'm so glad to see you. Are you glad to see me? Today, I will continue our journey in Daniel, and we'll pick off from where Pastor Sharon Fong has left off. So we start with verse 20, Daniel chapter 9, verse 20 to the end. But first, let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Our Father in heaven, we come before you, knowing that you are the Lord God and we are not God. You are God and we are not. You reign supreme, you are the awesome God. You're the God that is immovable, always, always abounding in goodness. So today, as we open up the scriptures, help us to understand and give us a glimpse of who you really are. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, life is full of surprises, isn't it? And oftentimes, we have many curveballs thrown at us. And life is so unpredictable. Sometimes, we're spiritually high. The next moment, we will fall flat. Because life is dynamic. But yet, the life in God should be dynamic, isn't it? Because life is a mystery. God is a mystery. And so through the trail wreck experiences, sometimes to life difficult moments, there are some knots we can't untie. There are some conundrums we face that we can't get out of. There are so many puzzles in our lives that we have no answers to. But yet sometimes God came through for us. But there are times God asks us to sit and wait. See, life is dynamic because we seek to know God. We seek to know Him and His plans for us. And so for the longest time, we may want a word from the Lord. We may want wisdom from God. We may also want the way out so that we will be happier. You see, life is not about being happy. For us as believers, it is our sanctification of to be holy. For some, going to God is the last resort. Yeah? We tried plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, plan E, and all didn't work, so we go to God. We have no choice but to pray, law. And we pray because we couldn't make it work. So for some, God is the last resort. But for some, God is the first person they go to. Now that depends on the foundation of one's life whether we have put Jesus at the center of it all or not. You see, today's topic is God answers beyond our expectations. When we least expect, God shows up. And sometimes, not in the way that we want Him to show up, unexpectedly. God answers beyond our expectation because we have a great and awesome God. Say amen to that. You see, wasn't it Enoch who was taken up to heaven and not faced death? Wasn't it Abraham who God provided a great driver to deliver a ram at the last minute so he doesn't have to offer his son as a sacrifice? And wasn't it Sarah who gave birth to the promised son at a ripe old age? Now all these are the surprises of God. And as we read through the pages of the scriptures, We understand why God did what he did. Because he is God, and we are not God. There are many unexpected acts of God. There was a wise man who said these words, God hears our prayers, answers our prayers, and even exceeds our prayers. Why are you laughing? You disagree with this wise man? He's my roommate, you know, for 42 years. God hears us. He answers us. And He takes note of all our cries and all those prayers that have not been uttered. God knows it all. Daniel 9:20 20 to 27 is perhaps one of the most epic story, narrative of prophecy. And in the text, it highlights for us Two life principles. Could you turn to the neighbor and say, there's two life principles here. The first, don't give up whatever the circumstances. And the second, always look up. Because God has his perfect solution. Don't give up. Don't give up whatever the circumstances. You see, when the pages of Daniel 9 verse 20 was open. We see here Daniel crying out to God, repenting of his sins and the sins of his people. So he was having this time where he is travailing in prayer, where he wants God to take note, and that he wants God to forgive their sins and the sins of his people. And, and you know, we would expect with such great prayer and penitential prayer, with, with such wrenching of the heart, God will answer immediately, right? No. God didn't. It's not that God didn't answer. It's not just yet. Because God has not finished his work in Daniel's life, in the lives of the people who were then in the Babylonian exile. God did better. He did much more for them. See, the angel Gabriel appeared, and in the most dramatic of ways, there was a message for Daniel. Let's read Daniel 9, verse 20 and 21. Verse 20. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God. Verse 21. While I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. You see the drama as it unfolds for us. You see, here they have a vision. He saw a vision of Gabriel coming through with a very, very poignant message for him. He was troubled and perplexed. He was deeply weighed down by sin, the sin of his people and his own sin. And there is a longing for emancipation, for freedom, to be set free. He longed for a breakthrough. He longed that God would come and intervene during the time of such dark times of Israel. But he waited and waited. So there was a weight of sin. It is similar to Psalm 32 verse 3 that says, When I kept silent about my sin." This is also true for us, right? When we kept silent about our sin, my bones wasted away. Through my groaning all day long, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up like the fever heat of summer. So it was Daniel's penitential prayer, just like this psalmist, who prays out all the sins, all the dross. And Daniel is seen here, pleading for God's mercy and compassion. And in sorrowful repentance, he came to God and asked God for his divine intervention. You see, the psalmist, just like Daniel, knew that God is unhappy with him and his condition. Unless we come clean with God, we cannot come close to God. It is the same principle today. To come close to God, we must come clean with God. There was a story told about old Joe. Joe and Bill are long-time friends. They have a love-hate relationship with each other. They love each other, and then they hate each other, and so on. So old Joe was dying, and in his dying days, he asked Bill to come and see him for the last time and make amends and, and try to you know, complete some unfinished business. So Bill came and, hey, hi, Ojo. So they reminisce over the past and Ojo say, oh, I forgive you for this. Will you forgive me for that as well? So Bill said, sure, brother, you know, we see you in heaven and so on. And they hug and they, you know, pray for one another. And Bill was about to walk out of the room. Then Ojo said, hey, wait a while, Bill. If I get better, this doesn't count. (laughs) Our confession... Our forgiveness must be genuine and real. We cannot play games with one another and with God. Our repentance must be authentic. And we need God's approval for us to continue this life. So what was Daniel's privilege? That the angel of the Lord Gabriel appeared. Now look at verse 22 and verse 23. He made me understand speaking to me and saying, Oh, Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. Oh, I love this verse. I have come to tell you this, that for you are greatly loved, therefore consider the word and understand the vision. So Gabriel came with a message. The message is, you are greatly loved. You are faithful, God loves you, God approves you, and you are the one that God look upon you with his own eyes. See, Daniel received these words of affirmation, assurance, and it was healing for him. This affirmation is also for us. Today, God is saying to us, you are greatly loved, so that you may understand and believe and hold fast to this insight, whatever you and I have done wrong, God is ready to forgive when we come clean with him. See, there are three reasons why Daniel was greatly loved. Number one, his choices in life. He chose to choose God, period. In chapter one, he decided that he would not defile himself by eating the king's great food because it will defile his body. In chapter 6, Daniel decided that he will continue to pray with his doors and and windows open, that he will continue to pray regardless of the king's decree, that if anyone is found praying to anybody else or any deity apart from the king, they will be thrown into the lion's den. But Daniel didn't care. He said that this is God's appointed time, and I will fulfill it. He continued to pray. His contrition of heart is real. There is a real repentance, real lamentation from his soul, from the anguish of the weight of sin. And in his deep and painful regret, he came to God. And in remorse, he cried out. But yet, Kenya wasn't only feeling remorse, he was repentant. Now, there's a great difference between remorse and repentance. You want to know the difference? There are two major differences, the spelling and the pronunciation. (laughs) But truly, remorse is feeling sorry, sorrowful, but it is a sense of pitying myself. I feel that. You know, it's a weight upon the psychic, the soul. But repentance is different. Repentance is acknowledging that we have sinned against God, the Most High God, and there will be a turning around. There will be a desire not to do it again. There will be a desire that, you know, I will want a break from my past or from these bondages. So repentance brings about change. But remorse is merely feeling sorry for yourself, just like Judas. He felt sorry for himself having betrayed Jesus and so he hanged himself. There was no turning around for Judas. It was only remorse. And therefore, Daniel not only really repented authentically, he also was zealous for the glory of God. Now most of us are zealously guarding our own reputation, isn't it? What people think of me, what people say of me, how do I appear, and how do I look. And We're very concerned on the outward, but not Daniel. He's very concerned about not his own reputation, not what will happen to him, whether he'll be eaten alive by the lion. He's very concerned over the glory and the name of God. So God used Daniel to lift up a model for all of us. This guy walked his talk, He's faithful, his diligent, he chose well, and he weathered the odds and remained faithful to the end. So this is my first life principle that we draw out from these verses. Don't give up. Whatever the circumstances, don't give up. There's a story told of a man stranded in the island and he was washed ashore and he started to survive eating wild fruits and built himself a house and do the stuff and there were many many days that gone by probably he, he he lost count probably a year or more than that and he kept complaining the first time he entered the island through the last days he was complaining and complaining so one day out of sheer heat, his house was burned down. The house that was made with branches and leaves was entirely burnt. So he complained again. He sweared, and you know he threw everything. And then he was he was so spent that he just lied down on the beach, and then he slept there in the night. The next morning, a boat came. It was this little yacht that came through, and two guys came forward and found him. Wow, lo and behold, he's saved. He was rescued. And guess what? This sailor came and said, hey, you know, you're very good. Huh? You you light up some fire. We saw the fire. That's so why we came to the island. So he didn't know. Because he said, I didn't light it up. The, the, the house just caught fire by itself. Interestingly enough, sometimes when we least expect, when we start complaining about the things of our lives. Sometimes we can't untie the knots and and the conundrums we face. We are often spent in trying to fix ourselves and trying to fix our own solution. Don't give up, but continue to trust God because we have a God who cannot fail and will not fail. The second life lesson for us is always look up. Go to God in the first instance, not as the last resort. Ask God for his wisdom. Ask God what is the right thing to do. Ask God for his timing. Ask God for his resources, because God is always ready to pour forth, to pour out in our lives. He's got abundance. He is the answer. Don't go to him at the last resort. Sometimes in counseling, you know, people come to you, At the last resort, on the verge of this, on the uh, deathbed of this, and and so on, then they come to you, please help, please help, you know. At the last resort, but go to God at the first instance. You see, you and I are far better when we can see the future, but most of us can't, isn't it? We are often short-sighted. We are often aloof when it comes to God. And sometimes we don't understand the ways of God, the wisdom of God. Interestingly enough, God didn't answer Daniel there and then. But God provided an answer. It is in the form of a vision. And this vision is so dramatic that it unfolds itself. There was this immediacy of God that appeared before Daniel. And God replied over and above what Daniel prayed and asked for. Daniel prayed for forgiveness. Daniel prayed for freedom. Daniel prayed that they will go back to their land and away from this Babylonian captivity. But God did far greater. He answered Daniel not just for the now but for the future that there will be a complete forgiveness. That forgiveness is complete when Jesus the Messiah will come and cleanse us from sin. Now this 70 weeks starting from verse 24 all the way to 27 this 70 weeks of seven is is unpacked for us by pastor David Chan. Please look at the devotional journal and you'll be able to read his historical background to Daniel 9 and I will lean heavily upon what he has written. He wrote this The 70 weeks of sevens are divided into three distinct periods. The first period of seven weeks begins with a decree to rebuild Jerusalem and ends with the arrival of the anointed ruler. Then, a period of 62 weeks that follows, during which the city is rebuilt and then the anointed one is cut off. Jerusalem is destined and destroyed by the people, an army with a ruler who is to come. War persists to the end, and when an unidentified individual ratifies a covenant with them for one week, he then desecrated the temple before meeting his demise, and so on and so forth. Please read Pastor David's write-up. It's done very well. So he further said that these are symbols, Daniel's prophetic to visions. It's a paradigm an initial fulfillment of the vision that will follow by further partial fulfillment in history. Then there's opposition to worship to God, the desecration of the temple of God until it reaches its climatic fulfillment. And of course, we understand all that Pastor David wrote, right? Now, technically speaking, this is what we call progressive revelation, where God reveals progressively. Progressively that there is an immediate fulfillment at that time, but in the final analysis, there will be a greater or whole fulfillment in the next time frame. We will know when. So technically speaking, this, this progressive revelation helps us to unpack what God is going to reveal in the future. Verse 25 and 26 talks about the coming of the Anointed One, and He's none other than our Lord Jesus. What then is the essence of verses 24 to 27? The essence is found in Galatians 4.4. 4. Do you remember the verse? It says that in the fullness of time, in the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, that he may redeem those under the law and that we might receive adoption as sons. So here is the unpacking of the full revelation that in the part fulfillment during Daniel's time but in the fuller fulfillment during the time of Jesus where Jesus will come in the fullness of time to be the propitiation for your sins and mine, to bridge man to God where we cannot God came down and enable that. So what then is our focus? Our focus is not... On the prophecies, who is what and how is when. Our desire for this fulfillment is that we may know the Messiah. We may understand Jesus himself came to fulfill these prophecies. And Jesus is the answer. We can always look up because God is about his work. You see, God surpasses us in all our expectations he provided a way out of the sin problem. He provided a way out back to God so that there's redemption, there's pardon, and there's salvation. A story was told about an old mule, an animal, uh, mule, M-U-L-E. And he just tripped and fell into a dry well. And lo and behold, the well was quite deep. So the farmer came and said, oh, you silly mule. How on earth am I going to get you out of that? And so the farmer was was having very little resources. So he says, there's no possible way I could drag you out. Even if I get 10 people, I can never get you out, silly meal. And so he decided, okay, why don't I just bury this meal in a dry well? Yeah, because after all, the well has no water for the longest time. So he got a few friends and he started putting dirt into the well, trying to bury the, the mule, you know, when the mule was yeah, doing a lot of noise. So, so then the mule thought to himself, oh dear, I'm going to die here. I'm going to be buried alive. No way! You know? So he quickly, whenever the dirt comes, he will step on it, step on it, step on it. And before he knew it, the the dirt and the, the soil covered quite a sizable height. And so he was stepping up, stepping up, stepping over, and then the the old farmer said, you're quite a smart mule, not that silly after all. So decided to pull the mule out. What is the moral of the story? There are life's experiences, whether it's betrayal or hurt or pain or agony in our lives, that's going to bury us alive. But you have to decide to step over, to step over, to step over. And the decision is yours to make, to step over all the difficulties in life, to bear with the pain, to understand that yes, there is no perfect solution, but God will provide a perfect solution when the time comes, so that I can trust Him today, I can trust Him fully, because all we have is a faithful God, not ourselves, Because we have come to the end of our roads, but not God. I was reading 1 Samuel recently and was very intrigued and very blessed when I read through again chapter 1 and 2. 1 Samuel 1 and 2, yes, it's about the prayer of Hannah. How she, because of the shame she gotten, because she was childless. And then she went to the temple and prayed and wanted God to answer. You see, Hannah was just praying for a baby boy. But what did God give her? God gave her a mighty prophet in the form of Samuel. And Samuel was very pivotal in anointing David. And David is the, the ancestor of Jesus, the, the Davidic line and the Messianic line. And sometimes we just wonder, when we just want something small, God surprises us with something big, something long-lasting, something that is unfathomable. It is interesting because God never gives up on us and therefore encourages us to always look up. You know, there was a point in my life, my own life, and I ran a mini old folks home in my house. I have my set of in-laws, two of them, and my mother, so three old people in my house, under one roof. And because my mom has dementia and she goes into her violent moods uh, quite a lot, sometimes we have like a few episodes a day, sometimes it's quiet for two weeks, and then it starts again, you know. She starts knocking her head on the wall when you don't believe her. I say, you've eaten already, mom. No! nobody feeds me, everybody hates me, you know. And so she started her thing again and she would take whatever she has and throw at my father-in-law and my mate will go there and catch it, you know. So there's a lot of drama at home. And also coupled the fact that Pastor Edmund and I travelled quite a bit for our ministry. So the home is left to my two girls, yeah. They had a lot of fun without us. (sighs) We've passed eight years like that. Eight long years. During the COVID, my mother died. Not due to COVID, but due to old age. And then during the COVID, my father-in-law died. So I'm left with one. <laughs> one surviving one, my mother-in-law. But you see, sometimes life is like that, isn't it? When you have no way out. There was this lady who was praying with me. This this couple. And she told me, Pastor N. Don't worry, God will have his perfect solution. God will have his perfect solution. But as far as we are concerned, that's our discipleship. We want to say that we have have loved them the best way we knew how. And so in the last days of my father-in-law, we did palliative care at home. We get the doctors in, get the nurses in. My daughter went to be trained how to look after grandpa, and so on and so forth. But you see... Sometimes in life, we got to wait out for the time. We got to hang on. We got to wait in patience. You know, the years of looking after this old folks' home did something to my soul. I become more compassionate. I became more merciful. I tend to be more kind. I grow deeper. My wealth is richer. And so are my children. So is everyone at home. So sometimes when God says, wait, 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 because he's not done with the work in my life, with the work in your life, we have to wait out so that God will finish his work while we are waiting. And when God seems most silent, he's doing his deepest work. Don't we forget that. That in the waiting, we become, we better ourselves because God will look at us in favor. You see, in in this journey of life, when we begin to understand the wisdom of God, the ways of God, God is saying, don't give up. Don't give up. And when we are anchored in God, there is always a calm within, isn't it? There's a sense of, of steadiness that guards our every step. We have to step over, step over whatever that seeks to dry us out or bury us alive. Don't give up because God is not done with you yet. He's not done with us yet. And don't give up because God's love is immense. We always need to go to God at the first instance. Go to God in the first instance. God desires to break all the chains that bind us. Take away all clutches in our life. I remember when I was raising up the children, I told them, You know, girls, you have to finish what you started. So let's say they started with four pieces of jigsaw puzzle and then, wow, so clever. Clap, 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 clap. Okay, eight pieces. Clap, 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 clap. Twelve pieces and so on. So they progress in the number of pieces they could put a jigsaw. And when it comes to a time where it gets complicated, sometimes the children will just dish out everything and dump that in a box and and forget it, you know. But I, I always tell the children, don't give up. One day I found my older daughter, Amanda, was mumbling to herself. And I went there to just listen in. And she said, don't give up, must finish. You know, they're they so cute huh? when they're toddlers huh, and they talk to themselves. Huh? That's the cutest part. Don't get up, must finish. Mommy was school, you know, whatever. <laughs> so I said, why cannot give up? She said, no, cannot give up. Mommy was school, you know. So whatever motivation it is, is because mommy was cool. But you see, not giving up is a life principle because not giving up means this, that one success experience will help me in the next successful experience. It will give me the confidence, the courage, the resilience, the tenacity for me to keep on at it and try and try and never say no. That's what it means. Not to give up. We step over whatever life curveballs are, whatever train wreck experience, God is saying that I can redeem your past. I can redo. Sometimes you say, How to redeem my past? It's like a piece of glass all shattered. Oh, yes, God can do it. You can melt it down and redo something new, isn't it? That's what God is saying to all our broken pieces. He can melt it down and fashion. Something new. And that's why God is saying, never give up, always look up, because I am not done with you yet. I'm not finished with you yet. And God wants us to reach out to him today. And in our own ways to say, God, whatever is in my hands, whatever I'm facing now, some of you may be facing bankruptcy or a strained relationship or an unequally yoked relationship, or difficulty with your spouse, your boss. Maybe you don't like your dog, or you want to murder the cat, whatever it is. Whatever conundrums, whatever difficulties, whether it's small or big, flippant or serious, go to God. God wants to rework and rewire us so that that there is a center, Christ the center, because you and I need to know the battle belongs to the Lord, not to us. I'd like to invite the worship team to come up. I'd like us to bow in the time of prayer. Can I invite all of us to stand? The worship team will minister to us the song, The Battle Belongs to the Lord. But I'd like all of us to close our eyes now, open up the palms of our hands, Whatever that you're holding on so tightly now, whatever that you are struggling for the longest time, the relationships, the business that's not working well, the jobs, the relationships, the conflicts, the betrayal, the anger, the, the hurt, the pain, whatever that cannot be resolved today, the Lord is saying, lay at my feet. The feet of Jesus, the cross. And He's saying to us, yes, I have my perfect plan for you. Don't give up. Look up to me. So I'd like you to pray a prayer. Those of you who are also online, pray the prayer of repentance. Pray the prayer and give it back to the Lord Jesus. He's saying to us, yes, I know you. I know your struggles. I know how hard you try. But today, don't try anymore. You surrender. You give to me all the things you cannot resolve. I will take over. I will redeem the wasted years. I will buy back your lost time. And today, the Lord Jesus wants to redo something new, something efficacious in your life. Let me pray for us, dear Lord. You see all that's in our hearts and in our hands. Today we offer to you our broken self. All the things we cannot resolve, we offer to you. All the restlessness in our hearts, all the curveballs we got, Lord, we hand it to you all our broken pieces all our broken toys Lord we hand it to you we ask you forgive our sins we ask you forgive the way we have made ourselves we ask Jesus you come through for us you surprise us Lord with your deliverance show us much more and help us dear God that we will be all for Jesus And help us this day, God, that we will name Jesus. We'll be so zealous for His glory and not just pity ourselves. Because God, we have a God. You are our God. A God who cannot fail and will not fail. So come through for us, dear Father. Sweep through this room and everyone who watches online with your Holy Spirit and cleanses us from all our defilement all our sins and make us anew we pray Lord because we believe that you are God who hears us who says that we are greatly loved loved by you we thank you in Jesus name Amen
1: So when I find I'll fight on my knees With my hands lifted high Oh God, the battle belongs to you And every fear